All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It was back in October. Astronomers were dazzled when a flash of light from the depths of space was detected by NASA's Fermi telescope. Scientists there say it was a gamma-ray burst that traveled nearly 2 billion light-years from the Sagitta constellation, one of my favorites. Fact is, though, with Fermi's help, astronomers have been studying the source of these gamma-ray bursts for years. Nearly one-third are complete mysteries. No one knows what they are. Fermi sees gamma rays coming from directions in the sky where there are no obvious objects likely to produce this kind of radiation, says David Thompson, Fermi's deputy project scientist. This most recent burst, which scientists describe as one of the most luminous events on record, could be what NASA is calling the birth cry of a new black hole. So... Should we be worried about this? Well, you know, a black hole is a little bit misunderstood. It's not quite like a cosmic vacuum cleaner going around sucking everything up that it can. It's basically just a a really dense object. Dr. Brian Thomas is leader of the research team studying astrobiophysics in the Department of Physics and Astronomy at Washburn University. He's theorized that a gamma-ray burst caused a mass extinction event that wiped out about two-thirds of all species on Earth about 440 million years ago. I'm Mike Rogers, and this is Something Off Beats. This is fascinating. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm sure you've heard all about this and know a lot more about it than we do. But we're talking about this gamma ray burst that I guess is just a little under two billion years old is when this originated. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I guess, almost two billion years light, light years away. So, yeah. Been a long time in coming, and it's it's finally here, or or is it here? Is it is it just about to Earth, or has it moved past us? Well, the way it works uh, essentially is we see the light from the burst, and then it's gone. <laughs> so as long as we see it, it, it's here. Basically, it's a signal, kind of like if you turned a flashlight on and then turned it off, and somebody across the way observed it. The light reaches you, and then it it passes on. Tell us about this, these GRBs, a gamma ray burst. Mm-hmm. What, you know, for, for the layman, and that would be me, what are we talking about here? Tell us what these are. Yeah, so there's a couple different types, but the one that is associated with this particular event, as far as we can tell, is due to a, a massive star that runs out of fuel in its core. And that fuel burning through fusion helps to keep the star stable. So when it runs out of that fuel, it basically just collapses inward because it can't support its own weight anymore. And that leads to a massive explosion. And these these happen kind of often as far as exploding stars. That's not that unusual. Fermi's GBM spotted 31 gamma ray bursts in its first month of operation alone. 
And according to NASA, other gamma-ray bursts observed since Fermi was sent into orbit 300 miles above the Earth back in June of 2008 involved what are known as kilonovas. That is, powerful explosions that release large amounts of energy and can produce elements like gold, platinum, and uranium. Understanding these explosions helps astronomers trace our cosmic ancestry. In certain cases where the star is rotating in a particular way, it has particular properties, it can make this jet or a beam of high energy light, high energy radiation. And that's what we observe as a gamma ray burst. So we actually have to be looking down the barrel, as it were, right along that jet to see the gamma ray burst phenomenon. Where was this star located? It's in a, a galaxy uh, almost two billion light years away. So it's well outside of our own galaxy, quite far away. It, it Relatively, though, it's, it's actually fairly close. It's one of the closest gamma ray bursts that have ever been observed. So two billion light years is a long, long way, but the universe is very large. And so it's, it's relatively close as far as the ones that have been seen. Well, how do we observe things on Earth that happened so long ago and so far away? Well, there are several observatories in space in orbit around the Earth that are designed to find these events. So there's one called the uh, Fermi Telescope, um, named after a famous physicist. He's referring to Italian high-energy physics pioneer Enrico Fermi, after whom the Fermi Laboratory in Illinois was named. And it is a gamma-ray observatory. It observes lots of things, but its primary task is to observe gamma rays from wherever they come from. And one of the things it does is find gamma-ray bursts. There's another spacecraft, the Neil Garrels Swift Telescope, uh, which has gamma-ray uh, detectors as well as other telescopes on it. It's a fantastic instrument. Ilana Harris, a program scientist for Swift, explained just what it could do after it was launched in the early 2000s. Before SWIFT launched, to give you an example, the satellite that actually um, saw the long burst, it took them eight hours to, to go and look at that, at that burst. SWIFT can do this in you know, less than a minute. Is there any reason for us to be concerned about this recently captured gamma ray burst? Well, not about this particular one. The, with, a, with a GRB, if the light has passed you by and you're still alive, then you're fine. Um, that's sort of the short version. This particular event is, is much too far away to cause any particular damage here on Earth. If it was closer, then, then there could be some potential effects, but its distance is too great to cause any real major effects here. But there were some effects on the upper atmosphere, which is, is pretty interesting. Then what are those effects? The upper atmosphere, we say, is ionized, which means that electrons are, are stripped off of atoms and it, it ionized plasma. And, and we actually use that for radio transmissions and whatnot. You can bounce radio signals off of this layer of the upper atmosphere. So what was observed is a change in the ionization of that region. And that's caused by the light from the gamma ray burst, basically knocking more electrons off of atoms, making more ionization in that region. Um, which is pretty significant. I mean, this is a, a two billion light year away event. And, and, you know, it's not a huge effect as far as our everyday lives or anything, but it's observable here at the Earth, which is pretty fascinating, I think. When these bursts 
hit earth or pass by? I mean, is it like you're standing on the side of the road and a car whooshes by and it's over? Or is this something that plays out over tens or hundreds of years? I think that's a good analogy. It, um, but it depends a little bit on kind of how detailed you want to get. So the original gamma ray flash goes by pretty quickly. The typical gamma ray burst happens over about a minute or so. This one was much longer, but the usual one is, is a minute or a few seconds even. But there's other light associated with a gamma ray burst. So you get the initial gamma rays, which is how these are detected. Uh, but then there's other light in lower energy. So x-rays, ultraviolet light, even visible light, and all of that can be observed and it, it comes later and on, over a longer time period. Could something like this, if we took a direct hit, lead to a, a mass extinction event? So that all depends on the distance. If you observe one, then you've taken, in a sense, a direct hit, but it depends a lot on how far away uh, the object is or the event. So some research that myself and collaborators have done has shown that for a sort of typical gamma ray burst, it has to be within about 6,000 light years or so. That's pretty far, but relatively close on the cosmic scale. This particular gamma ray burst, though, was much more energetic, something like 100 times more energetic than the usual gamma ray burst. And so that would put it at um, more like 60,000 light years away to have a major effect here. So much farther, about 10 times as far away. How does this tie into uh, black holes? Could this be the, the birth of a, of a new black hole? Yeah, the thinking is that this kind of uh, stellar collapse explosion leads to the formation of a what we call a stellar mass black hole. Um, so these are relatively small. There are, are massive black holes at the center of galaxies, which are, are millions of times the sun's mass. Um, but this will be a few times the sun's mass or so. Um, so relatively small, but, but yeah, still a black hole. See, black holes are made of what's known as dense matter. Gamma ray bursts are linked to a mysterious substance called dark matter. Something that's never been seen before. About 85% of the gravitational mass of the universe is dark matter. The stuff we see makes up the rest. Dark matter is something that pulls on things with the force of its gravity, but can't be detected in any other way. It doesn't shine, doesn't emit or scatter light. In a study released last year, researchers from Yale, the University of Miami, and the European Space Agency theorized that all dark matter may come from black holes created during the Big Bang. Are there any black holes relatively close to our solar system? And, and how close do they have to be for us to really start worrying? We could replace our sun with a black hole and be just fine. We would be orbiting around it just like a normal um, if its mass is the right size. Uh, the problem comes in if you approach too closely, just like if the Earth somehow were to change its orbit and get too close to the sun, it could fall in and, and crash into the sun. Same kind of thing happens for a black hole. The, the difference is that if you fall past a certain point, you can't get back out again. That's the major difference. No matter how fast you go, you can't escape. So there, I don't think there's really any danger to us from any black holes nearby. Uh, you know, if one just happened to, to cross the Earth's orbit in the right way at the right time, potentially it could be a problem, but very unlikely. We, we've talked about gamma ray bursts, black holes, and, and which are related. What other phenomena is is out there that 
could possibly have an impact on our daily lives? So there are um, sort of normal or regular supernova explosions, which are much more common, but much less energetic. Um, as far as affecting the Earth, not very often, you know, every few hundred million years or so. So not something we're likely to see. Um, something that's much more common, much more close to home is just activity on our sun. So the sun is, is very active at certain times. It produces uh, explosions called flares, which launch mass into the solar system. And those can have pretty significant effects on the Earth. We know that in the past, uh, for instance, in, in 1859, the what's known as the Carrington event caused fires in telegraph offices and whatnot. If that kind of thing happens today, we would have real problems. Our electrical grid would if steps aren't taken properly, would be knocked out and, and we'd be in, in serious trouble for a while. The Carrington event is one of the most famous space weather phenomena in the last 200 years. It knocked out a significant portion of the world's telegraph lines for hours and created a blood-red aurora that lit up the sky. Just a few days before the October gamma-ray burst was detected, the NASA Solar Dynamics Observatory recorded a Class X solar flare, the most intense kind known to cause radio signal disruptions. Bottom line is, in spite of everything that's out there, we're okay for now. Yeah, yeah, for now, for now. I, I don't lose any sleep over, over GRBs uh, killing us off anytime soon. I, I do worry about solar events, though. Yeah, solar uh, flares and whatnot are, are potentially pretty scary. You know, I don't want to leave you on such a menacing note. So I'll mention that as we speak, NASA's Solar Dynamics Observatory is researching ways to mitigate the threat of these solar flares, just in case one of them does actually mess with our electronics here on Earth. And the National Weather Service has provided tips for creating your own solar flare emergency kit. Good to know. Thanks for listening to Something Off Beats. This episode written and produced by Lauren Berry and Chris Blake with audio editing and original music by Myron Kaplan and editorial support from Cooper Mall. I'm your host, Mike Rogers. To hear more of our deep dives into unusual news, please subscribe to Something Off Beat on the Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. And if you have your own offbeat story that you think we should cover, please send it to us at somethingoffbeat at odyssey, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.